The thing I found the most interesting in tattooing was the characters, Paul Rogers, Lyle Tuttle, Crazy Eddie. That's the real generation to me, and it's all gone. That's the trouble with modern tattooing. A lot of people don't care about it. And they're wonderful artists, but they aren't tattooists. They don't know how to make needles or mix inks, and they don't care about that. And they don't care about the history. If you don't know who come before you, you know, you don't really know a whole hell of a lot. I always said there was more to tattooing than the pretty picture. The best part of tattooing is being in the shop talking to people. say where you're from and uh, where you're living right now? Well, I was born in Georgia and I, I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana. And then uh, we moved to Cincinnati in 1977. So that's, that's our home in Cincinnati. I said, this is just a little cabin we're at today. But I've lived in yeah. Cincinnati since 77. And uh, I went in with another guy in a shop and I've got a cough drop because I have a cold. I went in with another guy uh, in 77 and I worked downtown for 11 years. And then in uh, eight, well, 86 or 87, I bought the building I'm in now. So I'm, I'm 10 minutes north of Cincinnati. Okay. But, yeah, I'll be there forever. So. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you, Dana, can you remember the first time you ever seen a tattoo? Um, yeah, I was a kid in Indianapolis. And it was, it was outlawed in Indianapolis. The Board of Health had banned it. And a kid that <clears throat> when we were young... A uh, kid went over and got a couple tattoos that was older than me. And it was like a little butterfly. And my grandfather had a little half of a hand-poked eagle, I think he had did back in the Depression. But I, I, wasn't, I wasn't familiar with tattoo, and I didn't know anything about them, you know. Yeah, it was outlawed uh, in the 60s. They closed it down, and then they opened it back up in, I think, maybe the 80s in, in uh, Indianapolis, you know. Those old yeah. Board of Health laws, you know, they closed down New York and... Uh, Massachusetts, Indianapolis. Um, yeah, so I tattooed, when I first got out of the army, I tattooed underground in my house for six years before I moved to Cincinnati, you know. All right. And uh, how was that? Because I, I guess in those times, it was all underground. Scene, yeah, it was mostly right? bikers, and, you know, a couple of wild people. You know, I've been into motorcycles my whole life. And so I tattooed a lot of clubs and stuff, you know, and they kept me busy. You know, I work all week and then I'd make more money tattooing on the weekend. So work all weekend, make a hundred dollars and thought I was rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were. And uh, how did you get in uh, at the start? Uh, well, like I said, I wasn't into tattooing. I, I was in Vietnam and I saw a kid with all these tattoos and I thought, man, that looks like some old man stuff, you know, but he was from New York. And so uh, when I, I came back from Vietnam, I was at Fort Bragg in uh, uh, North Carolina for a year and a half. And I went with a friend of mine and saw him get a tattoo. And I thought, well, that's pretty interesting. So uh, there were two shops there. And I talked to this guy who was in this old trailer. And he said, well, you can call Milton Zeiss and do the Zeiss School of Tattooing, you know, which didn't sound good to me. 
So I went up to the other shop and I approached the guy about learning. I said, yeah, I'd like to learn this, but I don't even know if I want any tattoos, you know. I, I mean, I just wasn't familiar with it. And that happened to be Spalding and Rogers' old shop. And their, right. their apprentice, Dave Paul, was running it. He had bought the shop. <clears throat> Excuse me. He learned from them. And then when he got out of the Korean War, they sold him their uh, Fort Bragg shop. They had one down by Camp Lejeune in uh, Jacksonville, South Carolina. And then they had the North Carolina. So I didn't know how lucky I was, but, you know, everything in there was Spalding and Rogers, all the flash, all the stencils. Uh, they used to use pictures of Dave. Uh, he had Battle Royal on his back. And he introduced me, you know, to tattooing um, the best he could. Showed me a lot of pictures from the 56 convention in, in Ohio at Al Sheffley's with Les Skuse and all. And then years later, I'm friends with Jimmy Skuse, you know. <laughs> what time was What year was this? This was uh, 1971. All right. Yeah, that's when I learned to tattoo in 71. So it's been 50 years this year. Wow. And what do you remember of these people? Uh, like, you know, what's your memory of them as people? Like, did, How was the feeling of you getting in there? And Well, he was nice. I mean, I was a GI and I think he just saw dollar signs, you know. He said, yeah, I'll charge you. You know, he wouldn't even tell me. And, it, you know, back then it didn't cost much because you could get a Battle Royal back piece for $350, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, but then later, of course, we become friends. Then years later, uh, he had retired, and I went down to visit him, and I asked him where all the old stuff was, and it was in an old shed, you know, with rain coming through. So I bought all the flash off of him. He gave me his last machines and uh, the neon and all the stencils, and, you know, he had retired, you know. He's since passed, you know. But without him, I, you know, changed my life completely, just a chance encounter, you yeah, know. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's crazy how, I mean, it depends what you, what you like to believe, you know, but it's funny how chance, you know, sets you on a well, path, which is was, a chance, isn't? Yeah, yeah, I'd have threw me out of the shop, you know. I mean, I'd have said, you don't want any tattoos, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he made some money, and then, of course, we became friends, and then I went on to tattoo, you know, my whole life, and he knew that, and he was kind of proud of me. Uh, his sons didn't have anything to do with tattooing, so... I ended up with it, and, you know, I always give him uh, credit for changing my life, making me have a really good life with my wife and stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did you keep in touch over the years? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd get a card from him every year, and then, uh, like I said, we went down to visit him. I, I went down to Myrtle Beach uh, one year, and I was coming back, and I swung through and visited him, and I spent a day or two there, and we talked about tattooing and then I ended up with all the stuff, you know, I, you know, I had to give him the money I had and told him if I owed him more, let me know. He really didn't want anything for it. It was just a joke, you know, but I give him, you know, the money I had with me, which was a pretty good chunk. Uh, but at, the next day he was laughing. So that I, you know, I, he actually wanted like a penny for it or something. So <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> he just wanted yeah. to go to a good place, you know, and I have a big picture of him in my bedroom and, you know, he's always in my heart. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, did you meet other people through him? Did you cross oh, sure. Yeah, Paul Rogers and Huck Spalding. You know, I used to go down and visit Paul in Florida uh, when he's building machines. And um, I only met Huck a time or two just in passing at a convention. Uh, but Paul, I'd go down to his trailer and stay, you know, several days in Florida with my family and go over and hang out with Paul and watch him build machines and try to learn something. I still haven't learned it, but I'm still trying. <laughs> yeah, never-ending quest, right? Uh, never ends, never ends. It's a new set of 
uh, problems every day, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And where did you go from there? Uh, I went I went to Indianapolis. I got out of the Army. I tattooed uh, six years there, and I went to undergraduate art school there. My major is in sculpture. And then uh, I went to Texas for six months. I was going to go to graduate school there and open a tattoo shop, but it was real expensive. I had a scholarship, but it, uh, living in Texas was real expensive. It was during the big oil boom. So I had met my partner at the 76 convention, the first world convention, and he invited me to Cincinnati. So I took him up on that, moved to Cincinnati, bought into his shop. And then I went to graduate school at uh, University of Cincinnati. And, you know, the rest is history. I've just stayed there. You know, he's since passed. My partner passed. Um, no, several years ago. But we remained friends. You know, even when I went off and got my own shop, I went the other side of town. And we remained friends till the end, you know. Yeah. And did you, did you travel uh, in those days a little bit? Did you, apart from the convention and stuff? No, no, not, not really. Um, you know, I, I knew how to work. And I always give him credit for giving me a great opportunity. We were the only shop in Cincinnati in 71. Now there's probably 80 shops, but we were it, you know. There just yeah, wasn't that yeah. demand, you know. It was, then again, bikers and a few rebel people. You know, tattooing wasn't mainstream. It was actually pretty interesting, you know. Now it's a little mainstream for me. I liked the characters before, uh, but I always say it was better financially that it got popular, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you, you can't have it all, I guess. You know, sometimes no, you it's it all, right? Well, I mean, you know, everybody wants to make a, a good living. And, you know, we did good in it. And I'm still doing good, so no problem. Yeah. Have you, have you ever done uh, anything regarding sculpture with your, you know, with your education no, stuff? Or is... No, I, you know, I, when I was in graduate school, I had to teach a, a, a semester because my, my professor went on sabbatical. But really, I, you know, I did all abstract steel and all. Everything I make now is like folk art tattoo stuff. I mean, I, I didn't do anything tattoo for years. And then I thought, well, that's silly because my whole brain's full of tattoo images. So I, you know, like out of my cabin here, I've got big paintings on my barn that are tattoos. And, you know, I just make little copper skulls or I still draw a flash or I paint boxes, you know, but it's all tattoo related because my brain's full of that kind of imagery and carnival and stuff. And I love it. So why not do it? I don't sell anything. And I mean, very rarely, I just make stuff because I like it. Usually I give somebody something. It's hard to sell art, you know, uh, you have too many hours yeah. in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, how do you think that your taste or your flavor changed over the years? You know, well, I didn't like traditional because I knew I could draw better than that. Now I love traditional because it's folk art. You can draw it different, but you can't draw it better. I just did a big Japanese piece yesterday. I did that for years because I, I was tattooed by Cliff Raven and Don Nolan, and they were big influences on me. But uh, now I'm trying to do like 1920, 1930, American and European you know, women, more into Ben Corday style. Ben Corday is my hero. I own a couple of sheets of his original flash and I own a lot of his production flash. And yeah. uh, it's just, it's prettier than the fifties, you know, the twenties and thirties, the women, it, it just has a, a more vintage charm to me. They were real artists, you know? Yeah. It's been more of a classic. And I don't know if you, if you agree, but I find that eventually over time you go through a process of sort of like elimination, you know, yeah. you start from one point and then, you know, you eliminate, you eliminate and you see this with and with other artists in different fields right right isn't it oh well, yeah you're influenced by all that i mean like i said my first influence i 
went from Indianapolis up to Chicago and saw Cliff Raven. And he was the only shop in Chicago at the time, believe that or not. They had, you had to be 21. And the first cool tattoo I saw was on Cliff Raven, was a Hanya by Don Nolan. And that changed my whole perception of tattooing because I had never seen Japanese work or freehand work. And uh, Raven did my lower arms and some stuff on my upper arms. Then later I became good friends with Don Nolan. He did my back and my ribs. And I just acquired uh, most of Don's artwork. So I'm gonna, I'm hopefully gonna have a book done on his artwork to keep his legacy alive. Cause Nolan was always kind of like uh, downbeat. You know, he didn't really care. He was a really good artist and he didn't seek the limelight. You know, he kind of traveled around but he was really influential. He did Raven's back and Ed Hardy's upper arms. I just got the artwork for that stuff. You know, he kept it all. So, uh, but he passed two years ago and then his wife passed. Yeah. So I just purchased his, uh, a lot of his drawings, you know, all original artwork. You would say that those were your main influences at that right. time? Right. Yeah, right? Yeah. And, um, and, and, I mean, I've had a lot of them. Uh, Greg James that worked at Sunset Strip. Robert Benedetti was a friend of mine. He took over Sunset Strip from Cliff Raven. Uh, Robert was real good with business end of tattooing. You know, I used to tattoo by myself. And he said, gee, you got to get some people tattooing with you. You know, you're getting older. Uh, Greg, you know, tattooed me. You know, he's one of the best, wonderful guys. His brother, lots of people. Mike Bacady in New York. Mihai Bacady, his son. You become like a family, you know, with some of these people. I mean, you know, I, I love them as much as I did my own family. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I attribute, I mean, I, you know, I, that's why I try to share my history and all because people's helped me along the way. And if I could help a kid, you know, then that's what we're supposed to do. You know, I didn't invent all this stuff, even though I say I did. <laughs> <laughs> and that you are a big collector. We can see easily from, you know, the stuff that you share that you're a big collector, right? How, like, I guess usually this passion kind of starts organically. You just start, you know, acquiring the things you like, right? Right. I wasn't really into collecting tattoo stuff. I mean, the first piece I ever got was a nickel from Dave Paul to Gappa Spring, right? And it was on a chain. And then Paul Rogers gave me a dime that he had punched silver contact points out of. So the first article I ever wrote was those were the most two important pieces in my whole collection because I had this personal connection. And then... Uh, my son was real into collecting. Our son passed four years ago. But then when he tattooed with us for, what, 20, 25 years. And uh, he, loved, he loved it. He was a graffiti artist and a tattoo artist, but he loved the history of tattooing. You know, he knew Lyle Tuttle and Stanley Moskowitz and all these guys, Nolan. Nolan knew him when he was little. And, oh, yeah, and he met Paul Rogers when he was a little kid. He loved collecting. So when he got into it, we started buying, you know, pretty major collections. And now I've got them all and he's gone. So <laughs> I've got a grandson and he doesn't care anything about tattooing. He's into music. Uh, so, you know, it becomes a burden all of a sudden because I have a lot of nice one-off pieces and I want to make sure, you know, I didn't buy anything to sell it. I bought it because I loved it and because my son loved it. So I want to make sure they go to a good home, you know. Uh, which, you know, Jimmy Skews is a friend of mine. Uh, Paul Shudhill is a friend of mine. Gideon's a really good friend of mine. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll find where they, they need to be. There's some young collectors that are good. 
uh, even my own artwork. I saved all my own flash and all uh, for my son. Well, since he's gone, I, I want my stuff to be passed on to, you know, not necessarily sold, just passed on to people that will remember me and hang it on their wall and enjoy it, you know. Yeah, give you some love, huh? Yeah, well, I mean, because I've had people, you know, like I said, Dave Paul, I ended up with the stuff. I've got a lot of Cliff Raven stuff that I got off of Robert Benedetti. I've got all the Nolan stuff. And and then, like I said, we have, uh, you know, I have the only two Samuel Riley business cards that I know exist in the world, and I own both of those. Um, yeah, I've got Gus Wagner carvings and Ben Corday Real Flash and Ben Corday Productions. And I've been really lucky to, I don't have the biggest collection in the world. Uh, Tuttle had that, you know, and Lyle was a friend of mine. And uh, Rambo in England's got a monster collection. He's a friend of mine. Uh, but we've got some real good choice pieces, you know. Yeah. Um, and do you have people sometimes coming to ask you to, you know, to show them your stuff? Or? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, my shop's my shop is full of stuff. And then uh, it's an old uh, bank, so I have a safe, and a lot of it's in there. And I just set up a nice big – we've got an old Victorian house. I just set up a nice big room in my house. I used to collect wind-up toys, and I took all the toys and put them on the third floor. And I, I just bought that new tattoo case. I don't know if you saw it. It was a beautiful travel case. Uh, Is it the one on Instagram? Yeah. 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 had 10 machines with it. No, it came out of Chicago, uh, out of uh, uh, Modern Tattoos Museum. He passed. And I told his wife, if she ever wanted to sell it, let me know. And she called me and sold it to me. And it's, it's just a premium piece, you know. But anyway, I set that stuff up in my house. And like tomorrow, I have two young tattooers coming over and, and we'll sit and we'll look at Flash. And now if I really like the guy, I'll take him over to my house because my bedroom's full of vintage stuff. My, <laughs> uh, my middle, my parlor's full of vintage stuff. You know, my entryway's got stuff in it. If I tell them all I have a big alarm on my house. <laughs> I wish I had a bigger building. I'd display it because it's hard to get out in portfolios. Every time you open it, it falls apart. Uh, that's why well, we're in the process. We've worked for three years to do a book in memory of my son. And right now uh, I'm waiting to get the proofs from China and then it will, I'm printing 1500 of them and I'll have about a thousand of them for sale, but it's a uh, 360 pages, 11 and a half by 14 and a half with a big cover, you know, and it's going to be a nice book. Uh, not, not much uh, text in it, just mainly photographs, you know. How long have you been working on this? Well, since my son passed uh, a year or two later, uh, Jeremy McCullough at New Life and Vincent over there, and then uh, Clint and Heather Vaught that's done some books, they're all doing it. You know, I don't know how to do a book. So they're doing all the yeah. scanning and stuff, but it's, it's all done right now. We were going to have it printed in Korea and then the shortage of supplies, they couldn't do it. So now we're dealing with a big company in uh, China because it's just cost prohibitive to printed in the United States here, you know, I mean, it, it's nuts, you know, you know, I can't pay a hundred dollars in the United States and sell it reasonable, you know, we're trying to outsource it, you know, but it, it should be a nice book. There's a few paragraphs on certain artists like Corday and Cliff Raven, but the rest of it's just all photos of business cards and photographs and machines and our collection, you know, it's just a reference book in memory of my son and, and for my grandson to remember, you know. I'm sure people will go crazy for it. It sounds like a very good project. It ought to be a nice book, and I'm trying to keep the cost down on it. I, it wasn't about making money. It was about recording our uh, collection before we, you know, before I went to the great tattoo parlor in the sky. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And you know what? Like, I think that 
when you do something, whatever that is, right? Uh, when it comes from your heart, you know, when you really, you know, the main goal is not the money, but just because you really are invested emotionally in that you're doing, it can only be a very good result, I think. Huh? Yeah, well, yeah, Jeremy McCullough, which goes by Tilt, he had been friends of the family for years, and he had wanted to do a book forever. And my son said, nah, we don't want a book. We want people to come visit us. But now that my son's gone, I agreed to do it, you know, with a picture of my son in the front. And it is a labor of love. They have hours and hours and hours in it. And it was never about the money. I'm going to give any of the profit to my grandson. You know, I'm, you know I've got him a college fund and we're leaving him, you know, anything he wants. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't need the money at the moment. It's mainly just to get the history recorded, you know, before it gets broke up. I can't yeah. take it with me, I don't think. I may, but I don't think I can. <laughs> you might try. You remind, you remind me a lot of uh, Rambo, which I was, uh, I was with him oh, in, yeah. in Manchester. He had like this good museum, which I saw where the you know, Rambo Statue Parlor is. And then he was saying that the biggest part of his collection is a home, actually. You know? yeah. So it reminded me a lot have of you, him. Have you been to his home? No, because it was like uh, a, I was there for a day, but I want to go back and uh, you know. Yeah, his home. Yeah, I, I stay with him and his his uh, lady Nikki when I go over there, and I stay with Jimmy Skews and his wife Jackie when I go. But yeah, Rambo's got a great collection in his uh, museum, but his house is killer. You know, he's he's worse collector than me. He collects everything, and it's yeah. out in a little village. And I mean, I love his house. It looks like it's an old Victorian Sunday school. Looks like a castle yeah. up on a hill. And how did you guys meet? Uh, well, I had met Jimmy Skews off of Facebook, and him and Rambo both came over to visit me. And we went to the Philly convention. And since then, I've gone over there several times. And, uh, you know, just have a, have a great time. Uh, it, it was fun to find Jimmy Skews because I had heard of Les Skews in 71 and then to hook up with his grandson years later. And he's been real influential in the history. And then, like I said, I met Rambo and... Yeah, you know, and I've met Gideon and I met Kubo that owns the Rome Museum. Uh, we're getting ready to go to Italy for a month here in December. And I go over and I'm going to visit uh, uh, just some of, some of the artists, you know, eating Italian food. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, let me ask you, like, um, you know, obviously you collect stuff because you, it makes you happy fundamentally, right? right? But why right. would you think it's important to, to preserve, you know, this part of history for you know other people and to actually not lose that what would you say is that important well i think it's just like you know i went to art college and they they teach about the old masters if you don't know who come before you you know you don't really know a whole hell of a lot that's the trouble with modern tattooing a lot of people don't care about it you know it's like uh they're artists and they buy a rotary machine and a cartridge needle and they're off to the races and they're wonderful artists but they aren't tattooists, you know? I mean, they're, they're people that tattoo, but they aren't tattoo artists to me because they don't know how to make needles or mix inks and they don't care about that. And they don't care about the history. Uh, like I said, the thing I found the most interesting in tattooing was the characters, Paul Rogers, Lyle Tuttle, Crazy Eddie. You know, those were the real guys. I'm an old guy, but that's the real generation to me. And it's all gone here. There's a few guys in England left, but all the old guys in the United States are gone. I'm an old guy now, and, and you know, I'm not, I'm not of that caliber, that generation. I met Artoria Gibbons back in the 70s, and, and, and now I know her daughter real well, Charlene. Her daughter's in her 80s. Those were some highlights of my life, you know. But I didn't go visit Stoney because I was stupid and young and thought I was cool. 
and heard he didn't like guys with beards and long hair. I had hair at the time. And of course he did. He taught Marty Holcomb. He had long hair and a beard, you know, but I regret that. I still regret it, you know, because I love that whole folk art side of it. I, I was busy trying to be the cool artist like all these young guys are. Well, the important part is all these cool people you meet along the way. I don't care if you can draw at all, if you're a wonderful person, you know, if you try a hundred percent, I don't care how good a tattoo artist you are. I'll do anything in the world for you. And if you're That's a amazing. smart ass and you're a real good artist, I don't care about that either. I've seen good art. I go to Italy, you know, <laughs> it's hard <laughs> to be impressed, you know? <laughs> so no, I, I, the journey along the way has been real important to me, meeting people and, uh, uh, them helping me and I try to help young guys you know they can ask me anything they can ask me to look at anything you know I, I really try to be open to people because it's just made my you know except my son passing I had the best life you could imagine you know I did better than we ever set out to do you know we were we were blessed and we're still blessed I have two shops and we have 10 artists working for us and uh, they're all you know good trained artists and I still love going in, you know, a few times a week and doing tattooing. So I'm just yeah, picking yeah. here now. <laughs> you know, it, it's 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 funny how you know when when you talk, I interview people like you that you know have many years in the business, and um, when you talk with people that have been doing this for a while, it's funny because I guess we all go through that phase initially. We have a bit more ego and stuff like that, but when you're in the game for long enough, then you guys all have the same uh, perspective, which means people come first. Well, yeah, there's always somebody that's going to be a better artist than you. Come on. I mean, you know, I'm more of a folk artist than a fine artist, uh, which, which I actually love folk art. But, yeah, the art's kind of a secondary thing. I always said there was more to tattooing than the pretty picture. And the, the, the pretty picture might be 10%. The other 90% the the clients you meet that change the way you think, uh, the artists you meet. If you're open to that, you be, can become a better person because, you know, I, I misjudge people and then you meet them and tattoo them and they're wonderful people and you can learn from that, you know, if you're, if you're smart. Uh, you know, some people get old and jaded. I still really enjoy talking, you know, the best part of tattooing is being in the shop talking to people, you know. Yeah, 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 the social. Um, you know, talking about learning, obviously, you know, you, you go as, as personal as you feel like. Like, what would you say has been you know, perhaps some of the, one of the hardest moments of your career, but that taught you a lot. So you're actually looking back, you're like, you know, actually that was a very good experience. Well, I'm, I'm real OCD. So, you know, I own a couple hundred tattoo machines. I've never met a machine I like, you know, and some of my work looks okay and some don't, but I've tried hard my whole life, but I, you know, I wish I had like two machines I loved. Yesterday, I dug a different one out of the safe and I went, wow, this one works wonderful, you know, but that's that's an ongoing thing. You know, people either use the same machine for life or they're like me and they have two or three hundred machines and uh, and just trying to get better. You know, I mean, I've had, like I said, Cliff Raven showed me how to solder needles, uh, Nolan and everybody. I used to ask him how they mixed ink, just people being open. That's the best. I mean, it, it's a struggle. You know, I've tattooed 50 years and I haven't figured it out. I have days that, you know, I feel like everything's going wrong. And then yesterday I had like a really good day. Everything was like I was drawing, you know. Uh, but if you figured it out, you're way ahead of me because the, the veritable keeps changing the skin every day. You have no yeah. control over the skin. So one day your tattooing looks great and the next day it looks like shit and you blame yourself, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'll never figure out tattooing. You know, but I'm, I'm I have fun meeting the people now. I, I 
I do the best I can. That's all you can do, you know, is 100%. Yeah. And uh, I guess this is a very hard question, especially after you told me the way you are. But if you would have, is that, do you have a favorite piece in your collection that, let's say there is a fire or something, you can take one thing? What would that be? Well, the nickel and the dime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because of sentimental value. Now, this trunk I just got is wonderful. I've got uh, my first sheet of Ben Corday originals is one of my favorite pieces. I have a big uh, Ralph Johnstone cutout woman that's about five foot and something tall that he painted. I mean, I love it all, you know. Uh, you know, yeah, it, it'd be hard, you know. I've got a little drawing my son did of me when I was tattooed as a little kid, and I'm putting it in a book, and that's my favorite piece of art, and I own a lot of art. You know, I own a lot of contemporary art, but uh, the sentimental stuff, you know, the rest of it, I, you know, it's, you know, if you bought it on eBay, the, uh, the stuff I got from friends and personal things from Don Nolan and, and Raven and Paul Rogers, little personal things. You know, I, I got a, a stand for a light that Paul Rogers gave me that he had welded up. And you got those if you went to visit him, he'd weld them to a brake drum, a pipe, and then you could put an artist lamp in them, you know, and that, mm. Oh, I have Nolan's walking cane that he hand carved. You know, those guys were personal friends of mine. And, you know, it doesn't, it's not for sale. You know, it's, it's like I'll never sell that stuff until I have to. You know, I don't have to sell it financially. But when I get real old, I want it to be carried on in the history, you know. But, yeah, I, I get people wanting to buy stuff all the time. I have, you know, a pretty big collection. And I just I never bought it to sell it. But when I do sell it, I want it won't be on eBay. It'll be going to people that I think deserve it. You know, yeah, like you said, it's more than just a pretty picture, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and a little bit of wisdom comes with age. I'm 72 and I'm still pretty dumb, but I'm smarter than I was. You know, what's important? What is important in your life is your family and your friends. And then everything else is icing on the cake. And I had a lot of icing in my life. I mean, we collect everything. I collect motorcycles and antiques. And, you know, we were just truly blessed. You know, the young guys all envy that. Well, you know what? I'd trade it all for my son in a minute. So, you know, it's just stuff. It's fun stuff, but it's just stuff. You know, it's not the meaning of life or anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, what, what is it that you enjoy most today in when you go tattooing? Well... Well, like I said, it's fun because you meet people from all different walks of life. And uh, I find out that I'm still stupid and judge people. And some of those people are wonderful. And then tattooing, just, I just, there's a lot of good people in tattooing. There's a lot of idiots in tattooing. You know, we aren't all brothers because we're tattooers, just like we aren't all brothers because we ride motorcycles. You know, I'm not into that. I'm into nice people, you know, regardless of what they do. But I've met some wonderful people in, uh, tattooing that are like you said like family to me i miss most of most of them i know are dead you know <laughs> so i'm out meeting a new group you know uh but the, the people's the best part you know i don't ask them how good they tattoo i can afford to get ta whoever's the world's best i could get one by them but that's not important to me i'd rather have uh, lyle tuttle tattoo me or stanley moskowitz which they both did um but you you change your values you know it is more than a pretty picture, you know, that's the characters in their life. I mean, there's never going to be anybody as interesting as Crazy Eddie or Lyle Tuttle. I mean, nobody's that interesting, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure you met some, I mean, you must have met some very funny people. Can you, can you remember any that can be told, of course, any funny story 
in in such a long career because I'm sure. Well, they're all funny. I mean, you know, Lyle Tuttle had a, a million one-liners. You know, I always wear a black ball cap and a black T-shirt, and he said that's a hillbilly yarmulke. And I had to get gold teeth because of my overbite, you know, and he, he didn't think that was too good. And uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, he, he'd offend everybody if he could. But, you know, we loved Lyle. Uh, Crazy Eddie would always say, he'd look at me and he'd always call me Danny. He'd go, Dana, you know where the worst place to get tattooed is? And I'd say, oh, yeah, your ribs. He'd go, no, Cincinnati. You know, he, you know there's all these one-liners, you know. But that, yeah, there's been so many weird things in my life and tattooing and with customers. You know, I become friends with my customers. A lot of them pass. You know, it 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 can just be a great life if you just sit back and relax a little bit. You know, I wanted to be the world's best. Well, you're never going to be. I was pretty good for a minute, and then here come a herd of young guys right by you. You know, and that's okay. You know, I just I do what I do. You know, I try as hard as I can. I don't do a perfect tattoo. I, Still do a pretty good tattoo, I think. I either say I do a good tattoo or I have dementia, and I think I do a good tattoo. But I still <laughs> tattoo, and I still enjoy it, you know. And I enjoy the young people that are into it. Not not into the art, just into tattooing in general, you know, just like you interviewing people. Uh, Rich Sari just said he might travel around and do a YouTube thing and just... He's been down to visit me a couple times, a younger artist, and he just wants to draw with people and kind of get some of the tales, you know, we, we don't want ink masters and all that crap that's made for TV. I want to talk to real tattoo artists. Yeah. You know? That's a, that's a, that's a thing how this thing was started in the first place. Yeah. Because I've been traveling quite a lot. So I, I you know, you get to talk to people and, and I was thinking, you know, like it's a shame that, you know, some of those stories might get lost or not heard or whatever, because in, in the end, you know, Everybody have their own goals and stuff. But I think when you're old, you don't want to have stuff because like you said, it just stuff. You want to have stories, right? Yeah, well, it's great. Like Crazy Eddie started doing books and, uh, they, you know, uh, John Ryder did books on Dietzel. And all of a sudden it became a book thing, which I'm all about, you know, to record this history. Because when I was young, you know, there wasn't, a, uh, wasn't the internet. You had to steal a picture out of a magazine that Cliff Raven or Ed Hardy did and try to do a terrible example of it. Uh, there just wasn't a reference material. That's why, you know, I have a lot of books. All tattoo artists had a lot of books back in the days. You know, you buy a book to steal a picture. But yeah, the history should be recorded. You know, I don't think I have any history, but I've done this 50 years. And then, and then when I go to a convention and a young guy's talking about Paul Rogers or they're building a machine, at least I can give them a little bit of input from the stuff I learned, you know. But it's gone so quick, I don't feel old, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and let me ask you, can you think about any advice that at some point you've been given that you still go by still today, that got stuck with you and be like, okay, that really helped me through many things? Well, you just try 100%. I mean, if you really care, you're never going to do the perfect tattoo. Uh, my sculpture teacher once went to a therapist and, he, and just life ad advice, he just said, you know, you can't figure it all out. And since my life changed so drastically, I, it's changed everything I've ever believed in. You can't figure it out. Why do things happen? Why, you know, but then again, why was I lucky and got into tattooing? You know, some things you just can't figure it out. You know, you aren't going to figure out politics or religion or life. But tattoo wise, I think if you, I used to have people want to apprentice and I say, I'm not apprenticing anybody, but if you're uh, persistent, 
you'll probably learn how. Well, I meant probably if you came back and asked me a couple of times and none of them ever got that, you know, they weren't persistent. They wanted instant success. So if you're persistent and, and you really love it, it'll work out for you one way or another. You know, I'm not the world's best tattoo artist, but I certainly had a great career and I still have a great career. And, and as, as we just said, you know, as you get older, that's what's important, you know, meeting people. And I don't give a shit about a trophy or an award. I know if I do a good tattoo or if I do a bad tattoo, you know, <laughs> that doesn't mean nothing to me. I could buy a trophy, you know. Uh, yeah. The satisfaction of doing a good job is the best you can hope. And then the depression from doing a bad job, you know. <laughs> but as long as you try 100%, that's all you can do. Uh, that, that, was, that was advice I had and I give to people. You can't make it any better than as long as you're trying that 100%, man, you know, that's, that's the best you can do. You can't do 101%, you know. Yeah, just, just your best. Just try hard and enjoy it, you know, and, and don't don't get so full of yourself. You know, there's wonderful art all around the world. We're just like a, a bunch of goobers that copy pictures on people and get paid real good to do it, you know. <laughs> don't take yourself too serious. It's all been done before, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you could go back somehow, right, and yeah. talk to yourself when you were 16, let's say, you right. know, from what you know now, what, what, do, what would you tell yourself? Well, I, like I said, I had the best life you could ever imagine. But tattoo-wise, I'd have, you know, at the first convention, there was all these old artists, Bob Shaw, Milo Anthony, and Beachcomber Bill. And I wish I'd have been a little braver and approached them, you know, and asked them questions. And because my whole life's been, you know, the tattoo thing. So, you know, I'm not interested in a lot of other stuff. I mean, I am, but tattooing has been my life. So... I really wish I'd, I'd taken the opportunity to learn more, not because it makes you special, just because it would have been important to me, you know, to pass on that information. Uh, but I'm busy being the cool guy, you know, with my ego and trying to learn something and trying to act like you know what you're doing. You can just tell people you're having problems and ask them a question. Maybe they'll help you. A lot of people's helped me tattoo, you know. There's a lot of idiots in this business, too, that, you know, they won't, they won't tell you anything or they won't show you anything or that's kind of like uh, insecurity. You know, you can open up next to my shop if you can take all my business and do it. You know, there's more to tattooing than the picture. It's a business. You have to run a business. You have to be professional. I go in and I clean the toilet. You know, I mean, it, it's a whole ball of wax. It's not just how good you draw a picture. A lot of these young guys think if they're great artists, they're going to have these private studios and all. Well, hey, that's good till the boom quits. You know, there's always going to be somebody getting mom and dad or their girlfriend's name. That's going to go on forever. You know, traditional tattooing. So, you know, I, I, I think if you're a really good craftsman and you learn traditional tattooing, then if you're an artist, that's the best. If you're just an artist, that's just a lot of these people pulled off a lot of art tricks but their craft isn't up to par as far as I'm concerned, you know? So traditional tattooing will be around as long as man is, you know, the average person is not this fine art collector. They just want a tattoo, you know? And like you said, the shop is more than just a shop. You know, it's a, oh, man. I'm it's sure that, you know, yourself. Yeah. you know, like you go there in your days off just to hang out and talk about the stuff you like, you know, it, it's a, that place is not just a place of business. Yeah. Right. I have a lot of people come in and say, yeah, I went in these new guys shop and they all got these egos and stuff. I said, yeah, well, you know, that's not us. You know, I mean, like I said, everybody that works for me does their part. 
I don't ask anybody to do anything I won't do. If I get there first, I clean the whole shop. You know, I mean, that, because I enjoy it. it. That's like my second house, you know. Uh, like I said, the art's the hard part. The rest of it's the fun part. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and does your, I guess your wife supports in this because I, I could hear her I could hear her reminding you things. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, and this and that. So I guess she's a, she hasn't been in this with you. Here, huh? Come over. No, come over. Yeah, my wife tattooed. How many years do you tattoo? She tattooed no, twenty. Thirty. She tattooed thirty years. That's oh, okay. Wife. Well, then, then it's a whole wow. other story. Hello. Yeah. And everybody. Nice yeah. Saw our, saw our whole family tattooed together. Me, my wife, and my son. And so that's a story in itself, you know. And she's, no, you know, we've been married 52 years, so she's met all these guys. She met, you know, D.C. Paul. Her first tattoo was by D.C. Paul. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, she's met, you know, Paul Rogers and, you know, Don Nolan. And, I mean, you know, she's been there the whole whole time. Uh, long for the ride. Yeah, long for the ride. <laughs> okay, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like you said, we're out at the cabin because we had this tree down and this guy kept messing me around so they're cutting it up today for firewood you know yeah otherwise yeah, yeah, yeah. if i was in my house i'd walk around and show you some cool tattoo stuff <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe next time yeah you're always welcome come to the united states you know we love company because it's just me and her and uh rambo comes over jimmy comes over gideon comes over you know i don't have to work if i don't want so we just take off and buddy wheeler uh, uh tattoo charlie's is about 100 miles away he's got a great collection I knew his father, Charlie, and uh, then Rich T's up at Bickney Tattoo. He's a few hours away. He's got a nice museum. Uh, Skyver used to be close, but Skyver's building burnt down, you know, with all this collection in it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll take little day trips and go visit other tattoo artists. And I, I, I mean, if you're into it, you're into it, you know. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. Uh, Dana, this was a, this was a pleasure, especially because it's it's always so humbling you know to see people like you there you know you very well established and you have an incredible experience but you still you know very open to share and, and care more about the people than the than the tattoo or the money you know so it's a it's a you know it's a privilege to get to listen to those words because i'm sure that you know other people will think the same you feel inspired you know so thank you for uh, for sharing this yeah yeah well thanks for having me i mean that's that's like i said it's what i do you know i plan on doing it till i can't do it I'll fall yeah. off the stool so somebody can be the lucky guy that gets a line down their arm when I pass out or something. You know? <laughs> as long as awesome. I can still do what I think is a decent tattoo, I'll, I'll tattoo. My hands work good. My eyes work good. If I start doing what I think is terrible tattooing, I'll quit. You know, I'm, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not going to do that on somebody. If I can do a good tattoo, though, and I still think I do an okay tattoo. So hopefully I have a few more years. Yeah. No, no, thank you so much. And I uh, think uh, thanks to your wife as well for helping out and, uh, you know, popping in. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope to run into you either there or I plan on traveling a lot. You know, I mean, this virus held us up, right? I've been around the world a couple of times. So, uh, yeah. you know, I'm going to go for a month. I may come home for a month and then go back somewhere else for a month. I want to go to, you know, Copenhagen. You know, Frank over there. Yeah. Look, uh, funny enough, because I just released his interview because I interviewed him like last week. Oh, cool. I've only yeah, yeah. Met, I was at a museum and stuff, yeah. Yeah, I've never been to his place, and I'd love to go. I met him. We went to Hamburg, Germany for the Varlick show, and yeah. uh, and I met him, and I see him. You know, we all kid Jimmy Skews online, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Frank and Gideon and myself, and Jimmy's a great guy and, and got a lot of history, and 
you know, I, you know, some artists have trouble with other artists, but that's their problem. I like everybody unless they do something to me, you know, and then that's yeah, my yeah. personal problem. But yeah, I want to yeah. go see Frank and uh, Ruben Reyes is over there somewhere in Stockholm or somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Thank you again, Dana. And yeah, thank uh, you. have a wonderful day. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs>